0: Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to be listening to episode number 50 of our podcast. Never dreamed a little over a year ago when we started this journey into the podcast world that we would be recording episode number 50. So I'm excited that uh, Vernon Fox will be sharing his story um, in this special episode as we celebrate the milestone. Um, Vernon's career is full of many accomplishments, um, high school football player, born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, went on to play football at Fresno state, played eight seasons in the NFL, now coaching high school football back in Las Vegas and has already won a state championship. So just incredible, um, resume of on the field accomplishments, but more than that, he's been married for 14 years to his wife, two kids, an incredible man of God, an incredible man of high character, loves the Lord, and, and sees his coaching as a ministry. That everything he does on the football field is about furthering the gospel, pouring into young men's lives through football. And we'll talk a lot about that. We'll also talk about the role that sports plays in our culture today, our divided culture. So I'm going to remind you of our mission statement All In Sports Outreach exists to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation. We're going to talk about that topic a bit in this conversation. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Vernon.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm Mm -hmm. excited to be a part.
0: You bet. I know uh, there may be some listeners that aren't familiar with you and um, your story and background, so I thought it'd be good to start with uh, some of your background. I know um, from the sports perspective, quite the career, successful high school, went on to play college football at Fresno Fresno State and eight seasons in the NFL, um, which we'll talk more about in this conversation. But I wanted to start with um, you grew up there in Las Vegas, which is where you live now. Um, What was it like growing up in the city that most of us at least for me, growing up in the Bible Belt, I was al- I always heard it called Sin City. So, what is it? What was it like growing up there <laughs> as a kid?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's, it's 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 unique, at but at the same time, it's it's just like any other place. Um, in all honesty, it's funny. Uh, I tell a lot of people when I meet people uh, throughout the years. You know, different teams I played for, or when I originally went to college. I remember people would ask me, did I live in hotels or did I live hmm. on the strip? <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I live in a, <laughs> in a house just like you. And uh funny thing about it is you just kind of adapt to the culture. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of become second nature to walk into a 7-Eleven and there's slot machines sitting there. and You know, you kind of avoid the strip unless you got – people in town that want to kind of go down that way I really don't even go down there much unless we're having dinner or something so it's uh it's kind of just like any other place
0: yeah so um did you play a lot of sports as a kid or or was it primarily just football
1: yeah I was I was heavily involved um in a variety of sports actually football was the last sport I took up um but you know growing up I played basketball and soccer and uh baseball I ran track and, uh, I originally played soccer because my mother would not allow me to play football. Mm. And so my dad and I convinced her finally, when I was 12 years old to let me play football. And, uh, I went straight into tackle football and her greatest fear happened right away. I broke my, my wrist. And so I kind of thought that probably would be the end of it because that's why she held me out of it. And, uh, she allowed me to keep going and, uh, you know, I always tease her now and say, look, if you wouldn't let me play football, none of this would have ever happened. So, no, I believe in, uh, you know, being a multi-sport athlete and exposing kids to that and giving them the opportunity to develop. And, you know, that's kind of what I had an opportunity to do.
0: Yeah. And you're married with uh, two kids and back in Vegas to your kids. So they involved in sports.
1: They are. And, and really, it's not, you know, something that we push on them. Um, I've been blessed to be married almost 14 years now. Awesome. I have a 11-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son. And uh, my daughter is, you know, really active. You know, she, she's into dance and cheer and those things. But she actually really has a passion for basketball. So she's played for the past uh, three or four years. Uh, my son is really, really into sports. Um, and naturally he gravitates towards football and I I think he's around it so much with me coaching, but Mm. he actually was born during my last year in the NFL. So, you know, he can't use that as an excuse (laughs) that that he, you know, kind of was always around, but, uh, no, he loves it. And, uh, you know, he's, he's played soccer and, you know, he's run and those things. He, He actually does cross country as well, but, he is really, really into athletics. It's uh, it's it's easy to see that that's something that he has a passion for.
0: That's good. Um, let's talk about your faith for a moment. Um, I know that's something I've read a lot about you as a as an NFL player. Me being a sports fan is is your faith. So did you grow up um, in a family of faith? And then at what age did you say, you know what, I can't I can't be good enough to earn God God's favor. I, I've got to accept His you know, uh, a relationship with Jesus?
1: You know, I was blessed to, to grow up in a home where I was exposed to the things of God at a very early age. Um, you know, my mother was heavily, heavily involved in the church, mm-hmm. and she's a licensed missionary. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time in church, whether I wanted to be there or not, mm-hmm. and uh, was blessed to be able to go to a Christian school during mm-hmm. my elementary years from second to sixth grade. And that um... That actually was, you know, a lot of the reason why I was able to, you know, really develop uh, from a spiritual standpoint, mm-hmm. just being exposed to so much. Um, but like every other kid, you know, uh, well, I won't say every other kid, but this is the path that at least I chose to take. Uh, when I left for college, I kind of wanted to do my own thing and, you know, thought that I'd finally have the opportunity to to be free to make my own decisions And uh, I'm really a product of Proverbs 22 and 6, where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, Mm. no matter how far I tried to stray, you know, I felt like it was a leash on my life. And God would, you know, pull me back in no matter every time I tried to kind of pull away. And I was that guy that, you know, no matter how much I hung out or partied on Saturdays, I was waking up going to church, you know, Mm. even if it was by myself. And uh, God blessed me to, you know, have a couple of teammates, one in particular, um uh, a young man that I'm still friends with today. He was in my wedding, I was in his wedding, his name was David Shabaglian, but he was one of my teammates at Fresno State and uh he was, you know, the epitome of the example of what a young Christian looked like. You know, he was, you know, eighteen years old and he was a virgin and he, you know, had a relationship, but they they remained pure until they were married and you know, he didn't use the language that everyone else used. He, you know pretty much killed every thought in my head that you had to be an old fogey to really mm. <laughs> be a Christian yeah. and live a holy life. And uh, God used him to influence me. And, uh, you know, we really just, you know, had a tight bond and it became, you know, three or four of us. And we, you know, started Bible studies and just started really influencing the guys on the team and and on the campus. And that really was kind of my read rededication point, you know, so right around 17, 18 years old, I rededicated my life and, and I've been running for Jesus ever since.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And we'll talk a little bit more about your faith later on in the, um, in, in this conversation, want to kind of talk some sports for a moment. Um, you had, as I mentioned earlier, quite the high school career, um, Jersey retired. Um, were you highly recruited? And um, you've already alluded to um, playing ball at Fresno State. So what led you to Fresno State?
1: Uh, I, started, I started playing varsity football, um, you know, my junior year. And uh, I, was, I was a running back at the time. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't know that just because, um, you know, I played defensive back mm-hmm. all of my college and pro years but I was a running back in high school and I led the city in Russian as a junior. And I started to get a little bit of attention. I mean, it was nothing major in all honesty. Um, Las Vegas really has become, you know, uh, a higher, you know, area of concentration mm-hmm. when it comes to college football and, you know, having the Bishop Gorman's and, you know, a lot of uh, players that are coming out and even in the NFL now, um, back then it, it just wasn't so, um, you know, much under the microscope. And so we didn't get a lot of attention, but, I had some schools kind of looking at me, uh, my senior year, I uh, had another solid year and, you know, top two or three in the, in the city in rushing, you know, rush for, I think over 12 or 1300 yards each year. And, uh, I started getting, you know, tension and some opportunities came my way, took some trips. Um, I originally verbally committed to the university of Utah hmm. and, um, Fresno state was like my last recruiting trip. You know, I wanted to take all five and, Uh, By that time, to be honest, I was just kind of taking trips because they were free. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, when I got to Fresno, it was the first year that Coach Pat Hill was coming in and, Mm. you know, rebuilding the program. And so I I liked that idea of coming into a new situation. And Fresno was the closest thing to home. Mm -hmm. You know, it it, it looked like Las Vegas. It was hot and all the other places I went on recruiting trips in Colorado and Utah was snowing in December and you know, so that was attractive to me and just having an opportunity to go somewhere and start fresh. And, uh, you know, I, kind of revoked my decision and and ended up in Fresno and it was a blessing and one of the best decisions I think I could have made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Had quite the, you know, a great college career, but on, uh, the NFL draft weekend, did not hear your name called, but you did, um, continue to pursue that dream. So talk about, uh, just leading up to the draft and then going undrafted, what was it like? um just sitting by the phone and not hearing your name called, but yet as soon as the draft's over, um, opportunities start to open up
1: you know it was it was really stressful and um and I really pinpoint that as a as a turning point in my life um spiritually mm. and you know it was a moment that honestly felt like failure to me because i I was a guy that had always experienced a high level of achievement and success when it came to athletics. And, you know, I was always the first guy picked and I was always the, you know, the guy receiving the accolades and recognition and the MVP of this team. And, you know, so that's what I was used to. And, you know, even coming out of college, I was, I was told that I'd be drafted as high as a third or fourth round pick. And Mm -hmm. my numbers looked great on my pro day. And, and it was just a situation that, you know, I, I felt like would be like all the others and for the first time, you know, I, I, I kind of ran into a wall where my pride took a hit. And, um, you know, I was it was frustrating. You know, David Carr was on my team. He was the first overall pick. Yeah. I think I had, like, six other guys on that team that got drafted. I mean, we had a really talented team. And, you know, I was kind of feeling like the odd man out. Mm. And so, uh, you know, having the opportunity to go to San Diego, you know, was, was a blessing. You know, I walked in there and, you know, one of the last guys signed. And I was 6 string. On the depth chart, and just a almost insurmountable, you know, situation that I I I struggled to kind of fight through. But it was a turning point for me because I realized it was no longer about my skills, talents, and abilities, and that I had to really, truly lean upon, you know, my dependence had to be upon God mm. because you know I realized it, it it wasn't me, but it was, you know, his his blessings that had gotten me to that point. And if it was going to happen. It was going to be by his grace and his will, and uh you know it it really changed me from a spiritual perspective, and you know probably the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me,
0: yeah, what was the pressure like um going through training camp, you mentioned sixth string, and then you know you get the final cut down day and um, but they never came and asked for your playbook um, right, so what was that like and then and then you go from that to I believe starting. What uh, week two or three of your of your the rookie year, correct?
1: Yeah, no it it was it was a really turn of events. You know things happen quickly and um and I mean it that was probably the the roughest process that that, that you'd ever have to go mm. through because it's so stressful. I yeah. mean, you're seeing guys get sent home every day. You know you're you're a nobody in the locker room. You're a 6 string guy. You're getting maybe one or two reps a day. And you're just trying to do everything in your power to, to prove your value. And I realized something along the way, I'll never forget. I was sitting in a chapel service, um, during the preseason and, uh, the team chaplain for the chargers at that time was, uh, pastor Sean Mitchell. And I remember him saying, you know, you have to work like it all depends on you, but pray like it all depends on God. Mm. And that was, that was, that was just earth shattering for me because it was so relevant to my situation. And I realized all I could do every day was just do what I could do, control what I could control, you know, do my best. And, you know, I was I was full of anxiety. I was you know stressed out, but I just worked as hard as I could. And I, I tried to truly just, you know, rely upon God and whatever his will was concerning it. And I saw him kind of move the mountains out of the way. And, you know, like you said, I went from being sixth string to fifth, to fourth, to third, and then I was fighting for You know, a spot on that team and, uh, you know, finished well in the preseason. I think I led the team in interceptions and um, just had a really good showing. And uh, I'll never forget that day I walked in and. You know, I was no longer sharing a metal locker, but I looked up and had one of the nice wood lockers with my <laughs> name in it. <laughs> and I called my mom, and I just, I'm like, "We did it!" So it, it was such a blessing. And like you say, to go from all of that in a matter of three to four months, and then my second game in the NFL—I mean, I'm, I'm starting and, and playing. And this was a guy that literally almost quit because the rejection and failure was too much for me in that moment. But it was it was a defining moment where God was building me and, and really producing something.
0: Wow. And so um, I'm going to ask you to talk about just the pressures overall um, that go along with playing in the NFL. And I mean, in particular, your life. Um, Four four teams in eight years, Chargers, Lions, Redskins and Broncos. So that's, you know, on average changing teams every 2 years. So Yes, sir. What was that pressure like?
1: It it was rough. Um, you know, I was I was talking to my wife recently and uh, you know, she reminded me that those years were so hard. She, you know, she was like thinking about my mindset and my perspective, she was just like, you were so on edge all the mm. time because of the pressure. Yeah. You, know, you were, you were always under scrutiny and you were always having to prove yourself and you know, you'd prove yourself and then things would seem to be going well. And then we'd be packing and going to another city. And so it's a business. And I think people lose sight of that mm-hmm. when you're on the outside looking in, you know, it's, it's entertainment right? and people just think that if you're a part of it, you know, you should just be grateful, but they don't understand the pressure that you're under. It's, 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 really rough. You know, I saw guys packing up each week and, it, mm. and it's the weirdest situation. You know, people don't prepare you for this you're, where you you're, you're competing against people, but at the same time you're building relationships. And mm. so, you know, I would, a guy that I was close to, I, I'd walk in the next day and, you know, his locker would be cleaned out. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, this guy was my friend, mm. but at the same time, you'd be happy that it wasn't you. So right. you just learn to, to cope with, you know, the dynamic of the business and um you know it was it was a pressure situation for a guy like myself, you know, there's some guys that had more a little more security, you mm-hmm. know, when when you got a got a pretty decent contract and the team has invested something in you and, you know, it's a little different. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you got a little more stability. But for myself, I mean, I knew that I, I was in a fight every single day, every single year. It didn't matter. I, I, I never had a real you know, extended contract or anything like that, I was I was pretty much in a fight. And, um, you know, that's rough. That's a rough lifestyle. And, and while it's a blessing, you know, at the same time, you realize that it's something that, you know, if you want, you got to really fight for it.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question that just kind of popped in my mind. It wasn't on the outline that we had talked about, but, um, you know, through that eight years, you mentioned a teammate at Fresno State. Is there a teammate – or two that you can think of from your time in the NFL that, you know, you, you just look back and go, man, that guy really invested in and, and really impacted my life.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a few guys that stand out. You build relationships, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's the beauty of the game of football is that those guys you're in the locker room with, you know, a lot of those relationships become lifelong relationships. That that you, you know, you build a relationship, and you know it's for life. I was just yesterday. I mean, the defensive coordinator here in town at UNLV is Tim Skipper. Tim was one of my college teammates, and you know he's over here recruiting one of my kids at Faith Lutheran High School, and we're sitting there talking for the first forty-five minutes about our days at Fresno State. So, oh wow! Yeah, I mean those relationships are awesome. But you know, there's a couple of guys. Ironic enough, um, the guy that I backed up my rookie season was Rodney Harrison, mm. you know, who, you know, is a Hall of Fame guy that, you know, did it for a long time in San Diego and in the NFL. But Rodney, man, is, is, is fiery as he was on the field. He, he was really just a, a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he really took the time to try to help me learn what it meant to be a pro and to teach me the game and to teach me how to govern myself and you know how to go about, prep preparation and I mean you know a guy like that I'll never forget and then uh to this day you know a good friend of mine uh Bracey Walker was another gentleman that played safety with me in Detroit and mm. uh, you know we spent a lot of time off the field and uh just hung out and you know believe it or not played video games and our <laughs> wives are really good friends and you know to this day we retain that relationship and the funny thing about it was Bracey was like 10 years older than me, but, you know, you would never know when you see us kind of hang out. And then I had a chance to play with guys like Brian Dawkins and, Mm -hmm. you know, just his influence and, you know, spiritually we were connected. And so, you know, we had kindred spirits and we were drawn to one another that way. You know, things like that are, you know, things that I'll never forget and people I'll never forget.
0: That's awesome. So um, after the eight years, you you retire from the NFL. What was that, Um, decision like? Was it a difficult decision for you or is it something you just knew you know
1: what, it's my time? You know what I'd be lying if I said it was easy Um, you know you played a game of football for 18 years Mm -hmm. and um, you know that's what it it, it was a big part of my life and who I was as an individual and I, I always thought that football didn't define me and I could live without it but it was really tough and you know, kids ask me all the time, I go speak places and they say, "Well, why'd you why'd you retire? You know, did you get hurt and and no, I was healthy and which is a blessing. Amen. But, you know, it wasn't my choice. The business just kind of pushed me out. Um I I I made a conscious decision to to go back into free agency in in the 2010 season. And, you know, I didn't re-sign with Denver. You know, I felt like I'd be walking back into the same situation that kind of kept me out of a portion of the season in 2009 before being re-signed. And uh, I never got another opportunity. And the Hmm. funny thing about it was I really didn't get peace until, you know, one day I was praying and just, you know, just kind of going through that process. It wasn't easy, you know, just wanting to play and get back in and looking for opportunities. And one day I opened up the word and i was in the book of exodus i believe it's like chapter 14 and it was god speaking to moses and and he said to him he says well you know why do the people continue to cry out to me you know tell them to move on and when i read that i was like whoa like it it literally in that moment arrested me and you know it's like peace just flooded my heart you know i felt like god was showing me that it was time to move on and you know even speaking to my heart in that moment and just letting me know that the way he wired me was that I would never quit and give up. And so the only way he could get me to see that it was time to go on to the next phase of my life was that he had to shut every door and the opportunities had to cease. Otherwise, as long as there was an opportunity, I wouldn't quit. And so, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a tough process and transition, but, uh, um, you know, God got me through it.
0: Man, that's a good word. That That's good. And it's just encouraging to, um, encouraging testimony that, you know, to continue to, to show that God's word still speaks. Amen. That's, a, that's awesome. So how did you balance spiritual life, family life, with the demands of uh, an NFL player? Because I think the average fan um, doesn't, you know, you said doesn't understand the business side, but I also think that there's a lot of people that don't understand the, that it's year-round. And it's not a nine to five type thing. So how do you balance staying connected spiritually with your wife, um, and and also focused on the game?
1: You know what? I can't say that I mastered that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know it, it. To this day, I mean, balance has always been one of those things that's difficult for me. My wife say she says that when I get you know kind of laser focused on something, that every nothing else matters. And so I, I really have you know, a a tendency to push myself so hard when, when I'm trying to accomplish something that it, it becomes difficult for me to kind of balance everything else. And so I'm I'm maturing and I'm learning how to do that better. But, you know, I think the thing that, that helped me during that time was my wife was always there with me Mm -hmm. You know, whatever city I was in, she'd come and be there. And so, you know, I'm I'm a big family person and, you know, my family means everything to Mm me. And so that's That's not difficult to to keep my family as a priority in my life, but you know obviously when you're a high achiever and you're a person that you know is is you know you 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 aspire to accomplish at a high level you know that takes a high level of sacrifice as well and, and it takes time and dedication and energy and so the people around me understand that I'm that way mm-hmm. and so they they support me and they help me in that process and so I think without them and their their level of commitment to my success and their understanding of who I am and, and the way that I'm wired, you know, I don't know I would be able to do that. So God has been gracious to me in putting people around me that that helped me navigate through that.
0: That's good. That's that's very good. Um so you've did you've done some personal training, you mentioned speaking and and, and then um a few years back offered the opportunity to to get into coaching at the high school level. So why why um, go into coaching high school football?
1: You know what? It, it really was God. I, I can't say that, you know, this was something that I had in my plans. Um, you know, it was honestly the exact opposite. I, I've always told people that, you know, as. Oftentimes, there are two things that guys get involved in when they retire from the NFL. It's, you know, commentating or coaching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do either one. (laughs) I'm serious. I really didn't. I stayed away from football, you know, for at least a year and a half or so, two years, because I just, it was a bitter taste in my mouth. Mm. You know, it was hard to watch and feel like I could still do it and contribute to a team. And, you know, I was healthy and probably... You know, at that point, after you've played that long in the league, you're probably, you know, as smart as you can be as a player. You understand the game and, you know, there are small things, even though your your ability starts to diminish some. You know, your, your mental aspect mm-hmm. of approach for the game kind of bridges that gap. And so it was hard for me. Um, but I... I I was doing what I wanted to do. And, and like the scripture says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but you know, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And Amen. I never would have known that coaching was a part of his plan for me. Uh, but I got a random call, you know, just, you know, to come and kind of look at an opportunity. And I, you know, kind of shuck it off a couple of times. And, you know, finally saw that, you know, the persistence was there and, and my wife and I, we, we sat down together because it was a decision we were both going to have to make. You know, we, we both say that coaching is our ministry. It's not just mine. Mm. And um, we, we went and sat down and listened. And Faith Lutheran is a wonderful place. You know, it's a faith based school. And it's, that's not just by name. You know, it, it really is a part of the bigger mission. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the mission here is, is that everyone is prepared and everyone is safe. That, and that's wow. awesome. You know, I had a chance to infuse two of the most important aspects of my life, which are ministry and football. And and I'm like, I I can I have no restrictions as to how I can implement the gospel into the way that we coach or, you know, the lessons that we teach. And you can't do that everywhere. Right. So it was it was a unique opportunity, and and even not wanting to do it you know, God confirmed to me that this was his plan and will for me at this season of my life. And, you know, by me submitting to that, man, I've been doubly blessed. You know, God has really, really, really shown me his hand and um, not just the success that we've had on the football field, but just the lives that we've been able to touch through, you know, this method of ministry has been wonderful.
0: Yeah, because when you you mentioned success on the field, I mean, you, you won a state championship pretty early on, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I promise you, I didn't know what I was doing as a coach. <laughs> I, I, I even admitted it when, when I sat down, you know, with the administrative team, I told them, I said, listen, I, I don't know anything about coaching. I, I've played football for you know, almost 20 years and, and I know the game, but I, I never even coached. So to be a head coach, like, you know, you're asking a whole lot. And, um, you know, they told me that they had confidence in my leadership, you know, abilities and qualities. And, um, you know, that was humbling to me and, you know, it was scary. And I jumped into it and, and really had to rely upon God again. You know, God put me in another situation where, you know, he stripped me down. I I couldn't do it in my own power, surrounded me with wonderful people, you know, that understood what to do and that could guide me and assist me. And, you know, my job was just to cast a vision and, you know, put it out there, make it mm-hmm. plain, like a says. And, uh, you know, great people around me that supported that vision, believed in it, and uh, we were able to do some wonderful things, 12-2 and 2 that first year, you know, won a state championship for the first time in the school's 34-year history at that point, and it was just, you know, I, I don't know, it, it almost to this day still doesn't feel real. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, you know, and when, when I was preparing for this, um, after we connected and you said you'd be willing to do it, uh, I was doing some some research, and just by a Google search, came across a number of articles that have been written over the last couple of years since you've been in coaching. And, and every one of them consistent. Some are on Christian websites, some even USA Today. And the consistent thing, and you've said already already on, on, on this, is that coaching is a ministry. Um, so is there a story or two um, that you'd share about how you've seen God use you in a player's life? Not on the field, but um, I guess, you know, we talked about Success on the field. I guess this would be like a ministry success story.
1: Yes, sir. Um, there are two instances that, that really stand out to me. Um, after that first season, where we were able to, you know, experience the, you know, the the success that God allowed us to, I'll never forget. Um, I got an email from a mom, and she essentially told me that, you know, her family, their son had been at Faith Lutheran you know, for, you know, a few years, he was a, he was a senior at the time. She said that he had been here for a few years. And, you know, if she could be honest with me, them sending him to faith Lutheran had nothing to do with it being a faith based school. You know, Mm. they knew that they'd get a good education and, you know, that part of it just kind of came along with it. You know, it was nothing they subscribed to. They weren't a family that attended church and she shared with me that the journey that we had taken And the stance that I had taken as a coach and to see God's faithfulness kind of follow, you know, what we were representing and who we were and the success that he, you know, graced us with. She was just like, it changed our family. She's like, we literally saw that God was real. We saw that having faith in him, you know, you could get results and, you know, you weren't just talking it, you know, you were trying to live it and be an example to these young men. And, you know, to this day, she's like, our family has changed. And that to me, that meant, I mean, I I, I say that email because I'm thinking like, man, this is this is what it was all about. Yeah, I didn't understand it. And I was uncomfortable. And to be honest, I was I was bickering, complaining, you know, like the Israelites. I Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do this. And there were many days that, you know, I struggled through it and, and didn't again. I didn't know what I was doing. So I'd run into walls and you know, kind of get stumped and not know which direction to go or how to lead appropriately. And to read that, I was like, man, it was all worth it. So that was one thing in particular. And then recently I had something happen. Um, I had three players invite me to, uh, this was a year ago. So literally almost a year ago during Christmas break, I had three players that were former players. They had graduated maybe two years prior. They invited me to lunch and they were in town. And so, you know, I went and had lunch with them and, they proceeded to sit me down and tell me one by one how the program changed their lives and how at the time they were not committed Christians. And, you know, they made a lot of decisions that, you know, they regretted. You know, God teaching them through our example as a program, the coaching staff and the, the, the devotions and the prayer and all of those things. They were like, I know you don't think we listen, coach, but we were listening. Mm. And and when we left, we missed having those things. And God, you know, never stopped, you know, pulling us. And you know, we we are living committed lives now. You know, we're making a difference on our campuses. We're doing Bible studies. And these are three guys that weren't like, you know, the the squeaky clean guys. Mm-hmm. These were guys that you know you wouldn't have expected that from. And I was just it blew my mind, man. It 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 almost brought me to tears. You know the, Because sometimes you you get discouraged and you don't know Mm -hmm. that the seeds that you're planting, you know, they'll harvest in due time, as Scripture says. Yeah. To see to see that those those lives were changed and and we had anything to do with that is is humbling.
0: Wow. Well, that's that's two incredible stories um, that truly um, do um, show that you are. Um, coaching as a ministry. That's awesome. I want to ask you a question now um, as it relates to the role sports plays in, in unity. Um, when we started this organization um, in 2015, one of the things that drove it was viewing sports as one of the few things that can bring people together. And we live in a very divided culture, and that's a topic for a whole nother day. <laughs> we could talk a lot about that, but you know our mission statement is to share the hope and the power of the gospel and promote unity and 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 even racial reconciliation. So, in your experience in athletics, whether it's high school, college, pro, or even coaching, um, how have you seen that bring people together that otherwise would, you know, would would be in divided? if you will, if it wasn't for athletics?
1: You know, I think sports have that unique ability. You know, it's the one thing that brings people together from all walks of life, you know, different cultures, different backgrounds, different, um, you know, exposures. It, it's the one thing, and you, you know, you I've played on so many teams and I've been in so many locker rooms. I mean, I've played in places where, you know, there are guys that have come from cities where, you know, I mean, they, they've been honest, like, Hey man, I I never had a black guy on my Mm -hmm. entire team. Like, you know, this is the first time I've kind of been exposed to any other cultures or races based upon, you know, where I grew up. And the funny thing about it is, you know, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night or a Sunday morning or afternoon, it's the one time where it doesn't matter. Mm. (laughs) You know, that's right. All of those guys are fighting for, you know, one purpose and one cause and you know they're unified and linked together for that cause and you know it 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 breaks through the divide you know locker rooms are the thing that unify you know teams and cultures and races you know that the guy that i mentioned in college you know he he was he was not he didn't look like me mm-hmm. he didn't come from the same background he didn't come from the same you know type city we had different experiences we were able to to share with one another and help each other grow and become you know, more exposed to things that were different than, than our own upbringings or, you know, understandings of what life looked like. And sports was that avenue, Mm -hmm. you know, had it not been for football, you know, I don't know if I would have had that chance. I played in cities where, you know, I've, I've been, a, have visited or fellowshiped at ministries where everyone didn't look like me. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they didn't have the same, you know, message or music style that I was, Used to right. and, and going to all the cities that I've been in and all the places—that's the beauty of it. Now, mm. now at this point, I, I could care less, man. I, I'm a I'm a people lover, and um, and and sports really facilitates that, and it's wonderful, man. It, it really it helps you to grow as an individual if you allow it to.
0: That's awesome. So I'm going to ask you now to offer some advice or encouragement. We have a lot of our listeners are student athletes or for coaches, and, um, you know, you, you talked about coaching in a private school is faith-based. You have that open platform, but there's a lot of guys that don't because of some restrictions that the school districts may place on them. And um, So what advice would you offer a young student athlete or a coach that um, knows that they have a platform through sports and really wants to use it um, to further the gospel, to be bold, in Christ. So what would you say to them to encourage them to, to be bold?
1: You know, I think it, um, well, first and foremost, anyone that, you know, is a, a man or woman of faith, you understand that, you know, that has a requirement of boldness. Amen. <laughs> I mean, in, that's right. In the world, in the world that we live in, I mean, you can't truly be a, a, a believer that has any level of impact if you aren't bold about your faith. And, and obviously, like you said, I understand, you know, there there are some people that just don't have the liberty or luxury. I go and I do, uh, you know, clinics and, and things like that. There's a ministry that I partner with. It's called coaches timeout. You know, mm-hmm. and they are, you know, their parent group is PAO and um, that particular ministry, you know, I've had a chance to go and share the, the story of, you know, what I've experienced here and, you know, my coaching development and leadership development. And, you know, a lot of people they'll come to me and they'll say, well, you know, man, this is awesome stuff, but I can't do that at my school. You know, we can't can't do daily devotions or I can't pray with the guys or, you know, have that level of contact. And so I understand that. So I think it's just important to, you know, identify your sphere of influence to understand, um, you know, your, your limitations. But at the same time, I'm a firm believer that if you have a heart to, to impact, I believe God will provide opportunities. Amen. And so you, you have to be open to those opportunities. You have to take advantage because guess what? Even if you're not an initiator and you, you don't have the ability to go to someone and say, Hey, you know, can I share the gospel with you? Guess what? If you live a life before them that exudes Christ, it's attractive.
0: That's right. And
1: and opportunities will come because they'll come to you and they'll ask you because people will want what you have. And so, you know, the, the greatest advice I can give is man, live it. Don't, don't, don't just be a doer, you know, a, a, someone that talks the word or, or knows the word, you know, you gotta be a liver. You have to do it. You have to be a doer of the word. And, and when you do that, you know, it, it has an impact on the lives of people because we live in a broken world and there's not enough hope that, you know, is extended. You know, people don't don't sense that there are options available to them to live a life of peace and hope and joy and if you live that life before people, then you know it's attractive, and I think God will provide opportunities for you to share that with someone that's in your sphere of influence.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's 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 a very good reminder. That's something that, you know, having a a son that loves football, and you know, in a in a school system here, that's what we talk about all the time. That you don't have to be the one that stands up and preaches a sermon, but if you live it, if you love your all your teammates. And you, and you compete hard, you know, you give effort every day in, you know, day in and day out, and you love people well, then people will be attracted to that. They're going to ask you why you can, how can you live that way? And then that's your open door. That's good. So is there a, you know, some people say a life verse, or is there a favorite scripture um, that you'd share, or maybe one that, you know, God's drawn, drawn you to recently, um, that's encouraged you that you, that you share today?
1: Yeah, I, I love Proverbs 16 and three. Um, and it, it really has become, you know, more than just the, the scripture that exemplifies who we are as a program. Cause it's like our program scripture mm-hmm. and, you know, every year things change and, you know, players change. And sometimes coaches even change, but that never changes, you know, from the, from the day I got here, to the day God, you know, removes me, it's, it will, won't will change. And that's Proverbs 16 and three. And, you know, the NIV version of that scripture says, commit to the Lord, whatever you do mm. and your plans will succeed. You know, uh, another version of that says he will establish your, your, your thoughts or mm. your plans. And uh, I'm just a firm believer that if we live a life that's aimed in the direction of pleasing God, I mean, you, you have no option other than to, be successful. And, and, and how, how do you, how do you measure success is the next question because, you know, people think that when you say that, like, okay, well, you know, if I just focus on God, then he's going to bring me a bunch of money. I'm going to have, you know, all of these things. And it, and it's not about that. You know, I I believe that God's measurement of success is living a life that's pleasing before him impacting, you know, people for his kingdom and bringing them glory. And so, you know, I love that scripture. It it really has become the fiber of what I want to do every day of my life. You know, to commit everything I do unto God. You know, and, and seek an opportunity to give Him glory, and you know, favor just comes along with that.
0: That's that's a very good one. I I love that, and I and I like the way you circle back on defining success because I know a number of people that. You know, will misquote that verse and and a few others to say, well, if I just believe in God, then, Hmm. you know, I'm going to I'm never going to lose. I'm going to play injury free or I'm going to be a successful businessman, have all this. Now, those things could could happen. But yeah, that's good. I'm good. Man, that's that's an encouragement to me. I wrote that one down. Um, just as a, just a reminder to me. So the last question I want to ask you, the, the two words all in that you hear it all over sports and we know what it means in athletics, but in your, you know, Vernon Fox, your personal walk with Christ, what does it look like to be all in?
1: You know, I just, I, I just feel like, you know, cause a lot of like, you're right, man. A lot of people will say that, you know, they'll, they'll say they're sold out or they're, they're all in yeah. or you know, all of these catchy phrases, but you know, not a lot of people are all in on anything. That's true.
0: Amen. <laughs> no, yeah, you got Leo, that right.
1: Leo, let's just be real about life. And I mean, and I'm not just saying people, I'm saying myself. You oh, know? yeah. It, it's rare that we that we give everything we have to anything. That's right. Um, but when you do, you get results. Amen. And, and it's no different in your faith. You know, all in is being you know sold out and committed to the cause of Christ and and that's what I want to be, you know. I'm not even professing to to be there. That's my heart. Mm. And and I do everything I can to to be in that place. And I and I love to say that with my mouth, but I'm sure my actions don't always match up with that. But being all in is just committed, you know, just sold out for for the for the cause. And 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 that's what a team is too. You know, that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to get everybody on the same uh, you know, wavelength and and it's just like in scripture anytime they were all on one accord man wonderful things happen that's right and and I I, that's all I want to be for Christ you know I want my life to be an example of his grace and and glory in the earth you know I I want people to not see me but but see Christ in me and prayerfully you know that helped change the life of someone And, and that doesn't happen unless we're all in
0: man that's awesome I know um you're a busy man, so I appreciate your time. Thanks for um, being willing to, to be a part of this. This is a special episode. This is episode number 50, so um, thanks for being the, the guest to help us celebrate the 50th episode of the podcast and just sharing your story and just in, encouraging me personally, and I know encouraging everyone who listens, so I appreciate it.
1: No, that's awesome, and thank you for allowing me to be a part of that, and Congratulations on, on what you're doing, you know, in, in your area of the vineyard, you know, God is, is using you to, to impact the kingdom. And, you know, I I commend you and I pray, you know, that God continues to do that through you.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Yes, sir. Wow. What a, what an incredible
0: testimony. What an incredible um, episode of the podcast. Um, again, I just have to give a shout out for Vernon for taking the time to to join us. is honored and humbled and blessed to to be able to have this conversation, record a podcast with him. And as you could just tell through the whole conversation, he backed almost every question up multiple times of quoting scripture, uh, whether it's about football or not or his spiritual life, his faith. He's always was uh, everything was rooted in the Word of God. That's what stood out to me, um, and. You know, the quote that he said his preseason with, when he was with the Chargers, that work as if it depends on you, pray as if it depends on God. Um, but my favorite thing I I wrote down, um, I I took um, a lot of notes on this episode as well. Um, the last two questions about his favorite scripture in defining success. Success is not the amount of money we have in our bank account, um, the amount of trophies in our trophy case. Success is living a life pleasing to God. And then what it means to be all in. Um, being sold out in everything for Christ, being committed. Um, and he reminded us that he, and, and also in my life, and not I say I am, but my life doesn't always show it, but every day we need to be sold out for the cause of Christ in everything we do, everything we say, everything we think about. What an incredible testimony. I hope that you were encouraged. I know I was. Um again I've got a page full of notes that I'm gonna um go back and and read over. Um I and I'd ask you to um share this episode with family and friends. Let's get this uh message out, the message of Christ, sharing it through testimonies of, of, of uh of sports and faith and how that how sports and faith comes together is um as Vernon said for one purpose, one cause. Um, and that's like the body of Christ. We have one purpose, one cause. We're, we are one big team. So share this episode um, with family and friends. And you know I say it every time. We love hearing from you. I'd love for you to go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach. Send us a message. Also keep track of uh, upcoming events, um, what's going on within the organization, opportunities to, to pray for us, to serve with us, and even to give. Go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Um, again, another great place to find out any and everything about our organization, who we are, why will we do what we do. Um, you can contact us through the website. You can also, again, see opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. And as, as always, the last thing I'd ask you to do, If you've been encouraged by this episode, that you go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we have, the greater the platform to continue sharing the gospel through media. Thanks again for listening and making this 50th episode special. I ask you to um, continue to listen. Um, And I hope that today you're sold out for Christ and everything that you're doing. I look forward to the next episode. Thank you.